Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Let me see you put your hands up now. 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 With guest host, Ryan Leaf. I've been listening to you guys since day one. You guys are phenomenal. Attaboy. Um, just keep getting better like fine wine. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. Earlier on the show, NFL Network host, Rachel Bonetta. Still to come, NBA.com writer, Mark Medina. Plus, Rich Eisen checks in from the NFL Combine. And now, sitting in for Rich, it's Ryan Leaf. Welcome back, everybody, to the Rich Eisen Show. Ryan Leaf filling in for the big fella, Rich Eisen, who's in Indianapolis covering the NFL Combine for NFL Network. I'm joined, as always, with TJ Jefferson. Hello. Mr. Jason Feller and hey. Chris Brockman on the side here. Big, hey, NBA, hey. big NBA night last night. And, uh, yes, sir. Uh, I thought a perfect person for that would be uh, NBA writer for NBA.com, Mr. Mark Medina, to join us and tell us all about it. Mark, how are we doing? I'm good. Uh, good to chat with you. Yeah, it's good to chat with you, too. Um, there, there's a there's a, a run of games here. I'm, I'm almost calling it hell week for the Miami Heat, right? It started with the Chicago Bulls. Last night, it, it went to the Milwaukee Bucks, and they had every opportunity to take the first two legs of this series before heading to New Jersey or the Nets tonight, the Brooklyn Nets, I called it, <laughs> uh, tonight, and Kevin Durant's return, and then the Philadelphia 76ers. But talk to us about the ending of that basketball game. 20 seconds to go. Tyler Hero has the, the ball and the lead, and they can't get it done in regulation. Yeah, and it's really surprising that that happened because the Heat, um, you know, they've had some ups and downs the last few years, but, you know, one of the calling cards is that they're always resilient, they're disciplined, they make smart decisions. And, you know, that didn't happen. Um, so I'm, I'm scratching my head because uh, the reason why they're in, you know, the top of the Eastern Conference uh, is because they usually master those things. I mean, speaking with Mark Medina from NBA.com, um, I mean, a four-game road trip like this, it's disappointing, yes, because they could have, they really could have stolen one in, in Milwaukee before heading to these next big games. Um, but that kind of loss, maybe on this road trip, could that could that spiral into uh, a, a devastating uh, finish to this thing? Because I mean, these are the teams that they're going to have to vie for in the East if they're going to get to an NBA championship. Yeah, um, I doubt it, only because I think the Heat are a resilient team. Look, I think that they very well could lose to Brooklyn tonight. They could lose to Philadelphia, but I would think that that would have more to do with Kevin Durant coming back tonight. And Philadelphia, they, they've looked unstoppable ever since they've gotten James Harden. And that so far, 
that pairing with Joel Embiid has been pretty much seamless. Um, so, you know, in, in fairness to Miami, before their loss to the Bucks, you know, they were on a four-game winning streak. You know, they had gone through a, a five-game winning streak before now uh, to Dallas. So I think for the most part they've been consistent. But I think to your broader point, the Eastern Conference is wide open here. And I would still give the edge to Philadelphia and Brooklyn because they're the most talented teams on paper. There are recipes for them to be combustible because of health and chemistry uh, question marks with the new rosters. Um, but on talent itself, they have the edge. And so where Miami you know, has to be consistent is relying on that heat culture. And I know that you know, people outside of Miami roll their eyes, but it is a real thing that they've been able to you know, be on top of the Eastern Conference, not only because of having Jimmy Butler and, and uh, Kyle Lowry, but you know, they have a really good infrastructure from top to bottom, um, and that's what they have to tap into if they want to get out of the East. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets, like you mentioned, bring back Kevin Durant tonight after being away for for a bunch of games. Um, his his reemergence. Uh, what kind of difference? And it, shockingly enough, it, it, it it's a pretty easy answer to this. But what do you think his his impact's going to be initially coming back to this team? Yeah, I think it's going to be immediate. The the uh, the intriguing and uh, comforting thing for the Nets with Kevin Durant is that you know, look, he's obviously had a lot of injuries these last few years and coming off the Achilles. But when he's been on the floor, um, his numbers are actually better than his pre-injury with his Achilles. And so, as long as he's there, you know, I think they're the favorites to come out of the East. I think the question mark moving forward is can he sustain a clean bill of health long term um as well as you know what's Kyrie Irving's status going to be you know there is this gray area now where you know New York is has talked about uh lowering its mandate but right. there are some stipulations that that doesn't necessarily apply to workers in New York um so it remains to be seen when Kyrie can play in home games but if Kevin Durant at least is available, uh, they're going to, you know, still be the best team in the East. But that's been, you know, an uncertainty this season because he has missed so many games. Yeah, I mean, thirty-two and thirty-one as of right now, right in the eighth position, right. We'll yeah. see what the the backstretch of the season can look like for them and whether they get into a place where they don't have to play in that playing tournament. Because when you bring it down to one game, you know, we talked about the Lakers last year. If they got in and it was a one-game type of deal. Uh, you never know what's going to happen in one game. You could have a bad shooting night. You could have all this, and you'd be out of the conversation. Yeah, and that's the blessing and the curse that the Nets have right now. They're very top-heavy, so Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving can camouflage all their issues, but if one or two of them are out, like they don't really have a lot of good depth. Uh, I know they have some decent players, but I don't think it's collectively enough to win games consistently. You know, you mentioned the Lakers. I think specifically in this season, it's it's a little bit different where – okay, you still follow the old ads, you don't bet against LeBron James, but as he has still been playing his absolute best in his 19th season at 37, that hasn't been enough for the Lakers still to win games even when he's on the floor. So I think the Nets are in a different position than the Lakers, but it's still this high-risk, high-reward that, yeah, they have the, the path to get to the NBA Finals, but they also could lose in the playing tournament if – injury strike to uh, Kevin Durant the worst possible time yeah yeah it's uh it's it's what made that playing tournament so interesting ever since the bubble uh, a few years back okay uh the Philly trade right the the big trade that that was made for James Harden 
uh, finally sending Ben Simmons along to the Nets. Um, we've seen three games now. One back at home. Last night, the 26 points, nine rebounds, nine assists. Uh, you know, everybody else contributed. They dominated the Knicks once again. I mean, what do you, what do you say three three games in? It's been against the likes of the Timberwolves and the, and, and the Knicks, but how much is that playing into this and uh, how quickly the success has looked early on? Yeah, I think that... Um... You know, when you look at both parts uh, with Brooklyn and Philly, I think it was win-win for both. I think in Philadelphia's case, you know, I know that they had to give up a lot to get James Harden, and you don't want to underrate some of the depth that they sacrificed with having a really good shooter in Seth Curry, at least having another uh, big in Andre Drummond that can, you know, relieve Joel Embiid if he gets into foul trouble. Um, but the reality is they were in a position of, of some weakness where Ben Simmons wasn't going to be playing at all this season. Like, he just made it clear he was never going to play in a Sixers uniform. So uh, just by virtue of the fact that they have now an all-star on the floor who's available and one who's really good in James Harden um, shows that, yeah, this is going to work out. Now, I think when you look at James Harden historically, though, he is really good in the honeymoon period. He does the right things. Um, but there are question marks of two things. How much long-term would he be willing to uh, deal with whatever sacrifices with Joel Embiid? He's had a checkered past with playing with other star teammates with doing that. And then I think the other thing is the health. He has struggled with injuries the last two seasons, and even if he is playing really well or doing the right things now in Philadelphia, that's another concern um, that health, could uh, take a turn for the worse for him. And so I think that all illustrates the point I was making earlier with Brooklyn and Philadelphia, that um, it's very high-risk, high-reward. So I think from a chemistry standpoint this season, there aren't going to be any issues. Maybe there are next season, but uh, the health the health part is something that's an unknown. Yeah, well, it always is. You never quite know, especially when you're playing – the basketball position uh, or, or, or game. Uh, two more questions around Philly. I mean, when the trade was made, I mean, there was a lot of jokes made around James Harden, who has never been able to finish a, a playoff series, and the, and the head coach, who's been in scenarios where they've been up 3-1, and these were two guys that have both been exactly what you don't want in, when you get to playoff time, and now they're a part of it. Do they cancel each other out, or is this, is this a real concern around either one of these guys not being able to get it done come crunch time? Yeah, I think generally for both guys, there's a lot more extenuating circumstances that explain the shortcomings, but I attach that narrative more to James Harden than to Doc Rivers. I think in fairness to James Harden, you know, them losing to the Warriors, look, they were a dynasty team, and they were the team with the Houston Rockets that uh, were most successful at leaving the Warriors vulnerable when they had Kevin Durant along with Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. But I think there is something to be said with you know, James being able to know how to coexist with teammates. And then I think, and this ties to the health standpoint, he has a track record of wearing down the postseason because his workload is so heavy in the regular season. Part of that's been by design because, you know, those teams that he's played for needs James Harden to play his absolute best. But it's also, I think, a reflection of him, uh, you know, not willing to make those necessary adjustments. I think in Doc Rivers' case, Look, uh, he's not blameless, uh, specifically when the Clippers blew that 3-1 series lead in the bubble, but I think a lot of it had to do with uh, historically, 
either injuries with Chris Paul and Blake Griffin coming up at the worst possible time, or in this case with the, his last season with the Clippers, you know, personalities not meshing and, you know, specifically Paul George not playing well. Uh, not to say he's blameless, but in the pie chart, I would put him maybe third, fourth, where when you're looking at James and the reason for his shortcomings, uh, you know, his own uh, shortcomings would be at the top of the list for that. We're speaking with Mark Medina, NBA writer from NBA.com. We'll get you out of here on this question. Uh, I, I think a very welcome um, surprise uh, to this trade where you ultimately thought with James Harden coming in, there'd be less opportunities for Tyrese Maxey. But he's exploded, right? He, he has really taken advantage of this and has been a big part of utilizing the opportunity with this trade. Yeah, and I think that this, uh, this is a reflection of his growth. Um, you know, he's been really, uh, you know, helping the Sixers there, and it also shows why they were validated and being beholden to, hey, we're not going to deal Tyrese Maxey in these Ben Simmons-James Harden negotiations. At the 11th hour, you know, the Nets were trying to get him, uh, and, you know, thankfully the Sixers held firm on that. They did have to give up you know, other sources of depth, as I mentioned, with Seth Curry and Andre Drummond. But, you know, Tyrese Maxey is the real deal, and I, I think the sky's the limit for him. Well, the Warriors uh, seemingly are heading down uh, a different path from how they've played and started this season. Uh, is there any worry out West right now about the Warriors uh, and, and their their championship uh, dreams and goals? I don't think internally there is. Uh, you know, look, they, they've been missing Draymond Green for an extended period of time. I think that they would be worried if they got any sense that Draymond Green wasn't going to be coming back for the rest of the season of the playoffs. Uh, he's obviously been such a game-changer on the defensive end for many years now, and while the Warriors were able to sustain his absence for at least the first few games, um, you know, the it wound up catching up to them but there is optimism that he's his returns pretty imminent and i think the you know the other potential source of weakness is that they don't have a lot of size you know kevin looney's fine but um he's a role player and james wiseman uh it remains to be seen when he'll return and he had an up and down rookie season uh so when you talk to people around the league some people give the Phoenix Suns, the edge, because they have that size advantage with having DeAndre Ayton and having a really good backup in JaVale McGee. But internally, um, so long as Draymond Green is back, the Warriors are optimistic because they can plug Draymond at center, and they feel like they're really skilled enough with their small lineups that it won't even matter uh, because they have not only you know, the obvious answers with Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, but they have a really good blend of young and veteran players that can play and uh, offensively and defensively at multiple positions um, that that won't wind up catching up to them. But you know what? We'll wait and see. The Suns are the real deal. They're very well balanced. Um, so it should be a fun playoff matchup, presumably in the West Finals. Yeah, that would be that would be something. It'd be fun to watch Chris Paul against that team once again. All right, Mark, thanks for taking time and joining us and uh, educating us about everything that's going on in the NBA right now. Hey, thanks so much for having fun talking hoops with you. Yeah, you too. Mark Medina, everybody, NBA insider and writer for NBA.com. Very interesting stuff Uh, around the trade for Philadelphia. And what I thought was incredibly beneficial for me yesterday, guys, was I I sat here after the show and listened to your guys' Rich Eisen NBA podcast. The Rich Eisen Show basketball podcast. Basketball podcast. Which you can find on Westwood One. Now available on Spotify and Apple and where you get all your podcasts and YouTube.
there. It was a perfect opportunity for for uh, for promotion there. It was beneficial <laughs> to me to listen a, and then um, and then of course watch the games last night mm-hmm. and and um, and dive into it. The the Tyrese Maxey one I thought was very interesting. And I um, now this is this is more historical than it is current right now in terms of players. He reminds me of a of the individual that let's say like Michael Thompson who was with the Spurs for a long time and all the pressure was on him. He comes to LA and he's with magic and he's with Kareem and he's with worthy. And he really doesn't have to worry about anything. You know, he's not going to get the scrutiny as much, right? The spotlight's not on him. He can just go out and have a lot of fun and play. Reminds me a lot of Robert Ori too, playing for those great teams. You know, he had to make clutch big shots. Don't get me wrong. And he did, but this is a real opportunity for Maxi to kind of step up and he has initially in these first three games where I think a lot of people thought he was going to miss the ball in his hands instead like he's attacking like closeouts boom he's going by him he's making plays uh he's been really aggressive having this trade come down he hasn't blinked once so far and I think that's going to benefit this team I did like Mark's point around the depth right the size the shooting quality of Curry all of those things, what happens then, when. Matisse Thibel is going to have to be a big part of this, right? His defensive uh, prowess is going to have to ranch, uh, ranch it up against the best player in every series which in he the does. playoffs. Which he does. He does. I watched him closely at the University of Washington. He was incredibly good. Um, and, and it's been fun to see him mature and, and grow into that role in, in, in Philadelphia. But I, I think, I really think you talk about Harden and Embiid, but Maxi might be the, may the, maybe the ultimate you know, final, final thing to drop here for this team getting over the top in the East. Yeah. And TJ, you can speak to this more as a Sixers fan, but we took, we mentioned it on the pod yesterday. James Harden's going to get all these guys now wide open shots yeah. because he's going to draw so much attention as he has in his career on the outside or, or driving into the lane, getting to the free throw line, which he's so good at. Like Joel Embiid said it after the first game, he's never been so open in his life. Mm-hmm. And you see it with Maxie, especially last night, getting the ball in the wing, attacking the rim, and making an open three when he has to. I mean, you just must be so excited watching these first three games. Absolutely. And you and I spoke about this before the show started. You know, a lot of shows were talking after two games. They were wondering about Tobias Harris. Even this morning, people were wondering what's... Tobias Harris is averaging 18-7 and a game, right? And now with Maxi playing... you said this earlier. They only six only need those guys to maybe get thirty points between the two of yeah, them every game, and, and yeah. that should be a given, right? You got Embiid and Harden who can get you thirty a night on any given night. Um, the team plays defense. It's I I don't want to get too I don't want to get too hyped about it. I feel good watching them right now, but again, we played the Knicks twice. Yeah, right? Played the Knicks twice. who are going nowhere this season. But isn't that part of, of young Timberwolves? Isn't that team. part of it though? You got to win the games that you're supposed yeah, 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 to win. Well, hey, you know, and we, so, we get a we get a real shot in a couple nights when yeah. the Heat come to town, right? They have they have an interesting tough. Uh, I think a five game stretch coming up, so yeah. it's really going to show improve. There's and, something to be said about the regular season. Don't get me wrong, right? I think back to my days of following the NBA closely in the 90s, right, with the Houston Rockets and, you know, all they needed to do with Elijah Wan and, and that crew was get into the playoffs, right? Mm-hmm. Just get in and go. I, I look in, and see the Brooklyn Nets the same way. Just, you know, find a way to get into the tournament. They make their run. They do their thing. Regular season is one thing. Uh, the Suns are 50 and, two, or 50 and 12 right now. 
Uh, they didn't get it done last year in the championship game. Well, we'll see what they can do this year. We'll, we'll find out. It's been fun talking about the NBA. I don't get a, a lot of opportunities to do it. Uh, well, and, right. Now that we know that you are, you know, Vince Carter-esque, you know, making backboard shatter, you know, we should talk more NBA. Right? There, there is a great story <laughs> around Vince Carter, right? Vince and I were at a, um, I think it was a Make-A-Wish um event down in orlando florida and there was a dunk contest there's all there's a dunk contest and a bunch of us guys that weren't nba guys went out to to do the dunk contest and vince and and clyde drexler was there too and clyde, clyde. And, and they were helping us and showing us what dunks to do and i'm just like looking at vince and just like in awe of this this man right uh he had this velour nike sweatshirt <laughs> and it and it had his logo on it it was a v with a c kind of in it and it was just it was right here and I just loved it. And I had my Nike deal um, with the sponsorship. So I immediately went to my catalog and I found that velour uh, sweatshirt. And I, and I got one. I got one in like dub, <laughs> double XL. Just it, it, It's like mesh on the inside and then the soft velvety <laughs> thing on the outside. And, and guess what? I still have it. You do? Yeah. <laughs> it hangs on my... Uh, Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts, people, or as you might know from their jingle, O-O-O O'Reilly Auto Parts. They're in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offers friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs because you know when you need your car fixed, you need somebody who knows what they're talking about and is helpful, has a smile on their face, and gets you back on the road. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you just... Find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you will find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts knowledgeable, helpful, and the best of all, friendly. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Uh, hanger leaving the bedroom and it because I put it on in the mornings a ton especially when I'm doing early morning radio and in down in the cold uh, studio and I put it on it, I've had it for what was that 1999 1998 wow 23 years and it's still great shape <laughs> so Nike you know good on you but Vince Carter man come on you made you made probably maybe the best hoodie that, that I've ever had okay so uh, good for you, my friend. That's what's up. That's what's up. <laughs> All right. Every golf equipment company claims to be longer off the tee, right? But Callaway's new Rogue ST driver is the only one built to completely bomb it. 
It's been speed-tuned to Callaway's fastest, most stable driver ever. Every Rogue ST is engineered with a new tungsten speed cartridge, which gives you more speed off-center with off-center hits and provides more forgiveness thanks to high MOI. But that's just the beginning because Callaway has engineered a Rogue ST for every player. That's for you, Brockman. I need it. (laughs) Most golfers will fit into the Max because of its incredible combination of distance and forgiveness, but there's also a Max D. Their dedicated draw model for players who need more shot shape correction, that's what I need. I, I, I cannot stop slicing it. I need that shot shape correction. Now, if you need something more low spin, there's Max LS, which gives you stronger trajectory with a more neutral ball flight. But for the true players out there, the Rogue ST Triple Diamond LS is the compact, low spin head that the tour players love. Callaway has thought through every aspect of speed, so all you have to do is go rogue. Find your rogue ST driver at callawaygolf.com backslash go rogue. We'll be right back here on the Rich Eisen Show. Welcome back, everybody, to the Rich Eisen Show. Ryan Leaf here, filling in for Rich today. He's in Indy. We'll be joining us live from Indianapolis here at top of the hour. Talk about all things combine-related. Uh, joined as always by TJ Jefferson. What up, though? Uh, Jason Feller on the ones and twos. Hey, what's up? Chris Brockman educating me fully okay. on the NBA. Uh, it was just him today. Uh, I, I, I think I was I think I was blocking you out for oh, whatever okay. reason. Gotcha. I tried on the way into work today, guys, to listen to NBA uh, radio, and for the first fifteen minutes. It was them just talking about nonsense. And I was just like, I need you right now. You don't understand. I'm going to host a three-hour show. And we're going to talk about it. I need you right now to talk about some things that can you know, educate me. Well, had you not blocked me out during our podcast? My bad. Like, again, flawed human being. And we didn't even get to talk with Mark about what John Morant's been doing the last yeah. oh. There was a conversation there today about the MVP talk and John Morant's name being brought up. The one thing that the biggest takeaway for that for me has been that his team went 12 and 2 without him. I mean, could could you give somebody the MVP if the team while you're gone wins are 10 games over 500? <laughs> yeah, no, we talked about that tough. earlier in the yeah. season, right? Yeah, that's but it, man, it's hard to have a knock on somebody for that, it, right? Like It's hard to, but I mean, if Michael Jordan is in the part of the 96 Bulls, we saw what happened the next couple of years. They go to the playoffs, but they're not they're not championship worthy, right? Well, see, then you, you, that's no, one, no one from that Bulls team was was capable of winning the MVP, though. I I I would argue that Scottie Pippen was right. It's like win three titles, I'm gone. They don't win. I'm come back. back. I'm back. We three, went through three more. more titles. Yeah, yeah. It's, I, I mean, mean, he's the greatest kind of indisputable of all time. So I'm sorry that, yeah, for, that I, for that comparison. All right, <laughs> talking about the greatest, Tom Brady had a very memorable combine, right? We all remember the picture of Tom Brady at the combine standing up there. Um, in his boxers. In his boxers, like all of us. Don't get me wrong. We were all in that, that place. That's why I called it a meat market earlier, right? You just you trotted up in your underwear, everybody to poke and prod and take a look at you and decide on whether or not uh, <laughs> you are worthy to be a part of their NFL franchise. Well, because today is the workouts for the quarterbacks tonight, prime time. Uh, if you want to check me out, check me out on uh, SiriusXM NFL Radio tonight. I will be... Um, uh, on the call for all the primetime workouts by the quarterbacks this evening from 4 to 8 Pacific, uh, Channel 88. And um, we're going to be talking about uh, a youngster, Kenny Pickett. And uh, I thought this would be a neat opportunity to kind of 
what we come away from this is usually measurements. You know, the, the interview process has become much more. You're in front of the media, you talk, uh, but the measurements and then you work out in your underwear out there, throwing against nobody, uh, against air, where you can cork one for 100 and uncork one for, you know, 70 yards down the football and everybody go, ooh, and ah, and everything like that. So here we, we decided to take uh, a couple quarterbacks and put the comparison together in terms of a lot of this kind of testing. We were waiting on Kenny Pickett's hand size and, and, and how you would, if you were a general manager, I mean, you have so many more variables to, to, to but back, you know, back in the day, a lot of people that were finding out these measurements didn't have Twitter, didn't have social media, right? So they, they got the news, right? And they looked at this. Mm -hmm. Let me know what you guys think about these two comparisons. So we have, uh, we have the shadow guy uh, in his final year in college threw for, what, 3,968 yards. Mm -hmm. uh, right. Kenny Pickett, 4,319. Uh, touchdowns, 42 to 34. Mm. Uh, nine interceptions and 11 interceptions. Uh, size six 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 three, um, weight two thirty five two seventeen, and uh, measurements like we talked about: arm length thirty four and uh, thirty and five eighths, and then of course the hand size ten and a half inches versus eight beef. and a half inches. My man on the left's got some beef. <laughs> he, he's a big dude. He's a big dude. It's, it kind of sounds like Carson Strong to me from Nevada, mm. and so it. Let's let's reveal who the the questionable uh, individual is there. Um, oh, oh, hey, huh? I look like a, I look like a prospect. I mean, you'd be nice in this draft, All right? Um, some of, some of the measurements, so some of the measurements that weren't put on there because uh, it's doubtful that Kenny Pickett will do it. I don't know when he will. I, I benched two twenty five sixteen times. Nice. Okay. My vertical was thirty six. Okay. Oh. That explains the 360 yeah. windmill. 360 twice gym. That's the drain that level. Who's the man? <laughs> um, and uh, my 40 was a 478. So, decent. Yeah. Well, yeah. Is that average? I, I don't know what the average quarterback 40 time is. I thought it was very good. I thought I felt, I felt fast. Yeah? Yeah, I felt fast. I worked on it. It all comes down to the start. Oh, that's fast. Average QB 40 time is 493. Okay, yeah. I had, you know, I was six. And I, and... And a 240-pound QB. Yeah. Is that what you were? Yeah. That said? yeah. Athletic is, I think, the word for it. So as you can see, everybody, the measurements from the combine don't necessarily lead you to success in the NFL. <laughs> I will say this, right? Um, the, the lack of love for the NFL and um, was, not, was, was not there. I loved every minute of it um, up until I didn't. Right. And uh, I wanted to play and I wanted to do well and I wanted all that success. I wanted all those things. I just wasn't able to achieve them. And I could test out of the out of the room. Right. Start from when I was just a kid all the way up. I was bigger. I was stronger. I was faster. I was more athletic. It always complimented me regardless of my behavior. So I think with what the combine has become and it's become this real pressure cooker in terms of what they have to do on and on around uh, interviews, um, you know, the testing. I did like Rachel Bonetta's point around how they're trying to make it more of a game atmosphere. I think that can really up the adrenaline of these players, especially mm -hmm. around the 40, right? Yeah, or, totally, or, totally. or some of the shuttles and things like that. It really can, can give you uh, uh, some extra hype because 
I remember just how cold, how quiet, yeah. how sterile it was when I was there. Yeah. And I wasn't working out. Like Peyton and I knew we were going to be the number one or number two overall picks. It was just, it was inevitable. Mm-hmm. So neither of us worked out or did anything there other than weigh in and do some interviews. We were going to do our workout uh, at our at our at our universities our 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 later in the year, and I think mine was around April third of that season. And so um, that's what, and, and I think that's the best way to do it because you're throwing to all the guys you know. Coach Price had a great idea on our, on my pro day. He trotted out my five wide receivers who were exceptionally talented and good, but weren't getting a lot of looks because you know. They each had, I split it up so well. I, I spread it around so much that everybody had a bunch of catches. Everybody had a bunch of touchdowns. There was no guy that just leapt off the page, though they were incredibly talented. So coach put them all in their jerseys, ran them out, and they they ran their, their route tree for me. The coaches and GMs were there to see me, of course, but now they got a chance to see all these wide receivers. They had their jerseys on with their names on it. That's cool. And sure enough, it opened up a couple opportunities. Uh, I believe Kevin McKenzie, my slot wide receiver, uh, as well as Chris Jackson, both got opportunities in the NFL. In fact, Chris Jackson went on to be uh, one of the best offensive wide receivers in the Arena Football League. Um, and so, yeah. And, and another one, Sean McWashington. He got a great chance, too, with the Kansas City Chiefs. So, I mean, it, it, it opened up some doors for those guys because they were so good, so talented. They made me uh who i was playing in in college football for sure so there's many of opportunity the biggest takeaway from that interesting side by side with the unknown versus kenny pickett it it doesn't matter all right you showcase what you're capable of doing now can you do it at the next level and your hand size though beneficial sometimes doesn't necessarily lead to success or wins, right? It is your ability to lead as a, um, a leader. It's your ability to understand and then filtrate that information quickly against the best defenses in the world. And ultimately, how do you deal with failure? I would argue that Kenny Pickett has gone through some, some pretty lows, pretty much uh, a lot of lows while in college, right, at Pittsburgh, right? You know, years where they were really down, whether or not he was the answer for him, and then for them to come and win a championship this year and to do it in the style, it's very reminiscent of, of how we did and got to a championship and put ourselves in that position. So I wish him nothing but success. Um, and uh, I think people a lot of times want me or believe I want there to be a next bust out there, right? Somebody who comes along and kind of takes the mantle from me. That, that could be further from the truth, right? Um, a, a funny way to look at it is I, I'm incredibly competitive, right? I'm I'm so competitive. I'm I'm the biggest bust. All right, we can disagree. Nobody on that one. is taking that away. No from one's you. taking that mantle from me. All right, <laughs> I, I'm going to disagree. I don't believe you have that. Yeah, I don't think so either. Well, guess what, guys? It's the name of my podcast, so we're going in that direction. All right. <laughs> See, it's a marketing happens, tool. Yeah, second worst bust it doesn't have the same ring to it. <laughs> we just tried to put a positive spin on it, Chris, and you yeah, know. I know. <laughs> I appreciate that. I don't think there really is. I think the word bust is is, is anybody who played. Uh, if you made it to that level, if you're you one of twenty seven thousand, yeah, I mean, if you're look. one of twenty seven thousand, I get the idea that so much was put into it, and and sometimes I have. Where did that word even come from? That's a great question. I don't know. 
We you know, you know people talk about the origins of words. Like mm-hmm. we use upset for when a you know a team that's not expected to win. How did that come about? Uh, it was actually from a horse race, like a hundred years ago. The horse's name was Upset, and it won <laughs> a dramatic race, and so that just became the thing people said. Wow. Uh, but I don't know the origin of the word bust. Like where, when, who used it first? Uh, who are they talking about? It's something that's not really well known. I'm sure a quick Google search may tell me, but. It's not something I know off the top of my head. You know, it probably would have been a good idea to uh, invest time in, in understanding what the word means and where it came from on my podcast. Yet I, di- I didn't. I didn't do that. Where you were, you were a wonderful producer. I, I mean, you needed me clearly. I, I needed you, Kevin Connolly. <laughs> Connolly, what do you, what do you, what do you know? Right? What do you know? What's going on? Um, and uh, so the idea that that there's I'm one of twenty seven thousand, right? But I also understand like the expectations, right? When you're drafted second overall and a franchise trades so much, that really isn't on you, right? The franchise does that. You get kind of saddled with all that baggage, all that baggage that goes with it. You're saddled with that um, regardless of where you're at, right? Brian Greasy, uh, he beat us in that Rose Bowl and he would go on and get drafted, I think, I, I forget how late... Uh, to the Denver Broncos, right? Uh, and he would back up John Elway for his first couple years. What a, what an awesome opportunity to go sit behind a Hall of Famer. Third round, Brian Greasy. There was a chance for that happening my rookie year. Kevin Gilbride was the head coach. He had coached, of course, Warren Moon down in uh, Houston in his, in his Oiler tenure. And there was a conversation around okay, well, if Ryan's going to start or if Ryan needs some time to develop, what's the best course of action? And I heard rumors. uh, He was a client of my agent, Lee Steinberg's. And I thought Warren Moon was going to come in and and ultimately be my mentor and and tutor. Wow. And instead, it got, I don't know where it got squashed or where the conversation uh, went from there, but the decision then was to only keep two quarterbacks on the roster. Me and a guy named Craig Wheelahan, who played at the University of the Pacific and really had no uh, experience. And away we went in my rookie year. So for as many mistakes as I made, I mean, if you look back and and filter through it in a fine-tooth comb about roster decisions, uh, coaching decisions, you know, they fired Kevin Gilbride in week five. Like if the, and him and I had developed a good relationship, right? He was very similar to Mike Price. We could argue, we could yell at each other. We had respect for one another. I felt like I understood what he wanted me to do and accomplish. And, you know, we start, started the season two and three and they fired him. He wasn't really well liked by the media. Um, and, and that, that had pushed uh, some distance between him and ownership. And it was quick and it's swift. Right. And June Jones, who had been brought in just that year, was made interim head coach and but ultimately would leave in the next year. So, I mean, there's so much that you can go back and tackle or unpack when it comes to my downfall. Right. I never want to take away from uh, my accountability in it. Right. It's it, no matter what. Bottom line, no matter what. Uh, you know, it was it was what I did. I, I couldn't control what, what anybody else did. Coach cliche from yesterday, by the way. Mm-hmm. Can't control what Hold I can't on. control, everybody. I can only control what I can control. Only can control what I can control. Look, Ryan, I don't have a crystal ball, okay? I can't see into the future and just conjure things up. In reality, it just is what it is, 
and we may not live to see tomorrow, so you better enjoy today. I actually had a crystal ball back in 1998, and I saw mm. I saw 16, 17, 18-years of football in San Diego with a couple Super Bowl parades. Great. Gold jacket maybe at the end? Probably, you know. But that crystal ball was was screwed up. Man. <laughs> it's full of like full of uh, crap. <laughs> full of leftover bong juice and crap, and I don't know what else. <laughs> it didn't see the right future at all. It didn't see the glorious future that we all get to what? live in today. All right. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about the combine, and then Rich is going to join us at the top of the hour to tell us everything that's going down in Indianapolis. All right. You're listening to The Rich Eisen Show. I'm Ryan Leaf. We'll be right back. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome back, everybody, to the Rich Eisen Show. I'm Ryan Leaf, filling in for Rich today. Hey, Ryan. Um, just found hey. out, uh, most likely going to be filling in tomorrow. Hey, how about them apples? Three, you know, you, you thought that the Mike McDaniel triple play, who would have known me? We're talking about three days with Ryan. Hey. That's what ultimately what we're talking about. Yeah. TJ Jefferson with us. Uh, we got Jason Feller and hey. Chris Brockman. Chris, uh, we got some we got some callers checking in with us today. Yeah, what what, what couple, do they want to talk we about? Got a couple folks on the line. Let's go to line one. Phil in Rochester. What's up, Phil? Hello, Mr. Ryan Leaf. A heartfelt thank you for sharing your story, good sir. Thank you, Phil. You speak. I've heard you speak quite a few times, and you are a true ally to those wanting to change the narrative around what it means to have mental illness. it's been both my experience and observation that hearing and talking about personal experiences is the most effective treatment. It helps normalize the conversation and it lets us all know that we're not alone. Thank you so much for doing what you do. I'm a big fan of the human being that you become, and thank you, truly. Thank you so much, Phil. I appreciate the call. Uh, It's uh, incredibly meaningful. Um, Again, I don't know if you guys noticed but i saw myself in the screen and my immediately in comments of positivity right my body language just goes like i I get it's just foreign it's just something in my head that was beat into me for so long that you are a piece of s right you are worthless and so when you hear positivity things it's still tennessee and i have to be more open to that and so appreciative phil thank you for taking the time to call in i mean somebody takes time out of their schedule just to call in and support somebody else who's trying to be be a different person so phil thank you thank you so much all right mr brockman who else do we got line two joe in chicago wants to talk combine what's up joe what's up joe 
Yeah, I'm Dr. Graziak here, and I've done a fair amount of research on why do offensive linemen fall start. And uh, listen to you uh, speak, Ryan, about you know you're the tallest and the fastest and could jump the highest. Yet the outcomes were something that uh, uh, you're disappointed, honestly. But um, I'd propose that the combine look at different metrics other than the traditional ones they do about running the fastest, jumping the highest, and look at some things that are malleable, like perceptual cognitive skills. I did research. We did about a 200 uh, offensive linemen of why they fall start. We looked at perceptual cognitive skills. We looked at their personality traits. We looked at their IQ and so forth. And... Um, there's generally a tendency that there's a profile and perceptual cognitive skills, they're a predictor and they can be malleable. They can be trained to. And so I would propose that not only do you use those elements like they do in the combine, but complement them with some other analytics to support their cause. Because your story, Tom Brady's story, um, Joe Montana's story, probably not the best stats going into the combine but look at their outcomes yeah definitely have you have you take you know you're in chicago there i mean you sound pretty informed have you have you taken this to the chicago bears oh that's that's the bigger yeah, question should, in all this yeah we we approached the bears to do the analysis our study we did 14 teams total uh, about 200 players we did michigan michigan state uh, Duke, North Carolina, Tennessee, Texas A&M, TCU was in the study, and then a number of D2 and D3 schools. So we're only at the college level. Would have loved to break it into the NFL. We've broken into U.S. military special ops, um, a SEAL Team 6 and so forth, so they don't you know, target the wrong guy when they're in a, in a dark room. And so we've assessed those, those military folks, but would have loved to break into the nfl to do the analysis but we did it with primarily d1 two and three players wow I, it, it sounds very informative and uh truly something that that can be need to be looked at so thanks for the call appreciate that um yeah, you can... what do you guys what do you guys think around uh the cognitive behavior side of it right the the, the cognitive thinking how, how how could you test for this right I think for the longest time, people used the wonder lick for, for, for this. And now the yeah, pressurized right. capsule of, of the interview process is kind of that. But I mean, I mean, there really is some behavioral and, uh, and cognitive ways to go about some testing while you're here uh, around the medical side of all this. It just seems like now they, they don't do the wonder lick anymore. Uh, it was kind of silly, I think, kind of to begin with. But now it's in the interview process, like you mentioned, just throwing out the random questions kind of the random randomness of it all that have really nothing to do with football. You know, we've heard over the years, guys tell us some of the goofiest stories, uh, goofiest questions that they get asked in these things. Um, really just to see if you're on your toes. Are you able to kind of think and come up with something on the fly? I, I got to imagine that the answers don't really matter uh, to the people asking the questions. It's just kind of how do they react in the moment? What do they, uh, body language, those type of issues. It's more just kind of a, kind of a test or an exercise in, you know, reacting to the unexpected, um, which is kind of what a football game is. It's controlled chaos uh, that only lasts about six to eight seconds. So that's, yeah. that's kind of how I see it. I'm trying to think back to my experience at the Combine. Uh, yeah, do you remember any of the goofy questions that got asked to you in the interview process? That's the biggest thing in all of this, like... Like it was such a for sure deal. People forget this because it's been so far removed of Peyton Manning, Ryan Lee. It's been almost twenty five years now. It's it was it was a it was a can't miss 
you're getting either one of them that are ultimately going to play each other in AFC championships the rest of their career, right? That's what it was. Like there was a ton of expectation on us both to be extremely successful. And in fact, a lot of people thought I was going to be more successful because I was more physically talented. So I don't think anybody dared ask the questions. Like the things I think about now, and I told some of the, uh, told you about some of these yesterday, right? Why weren't you a captain on your football team in college? You were the quarterback. I mean, sometimes if you're just the quarterback, they put the C on your chest, Yeah. right? There's something to say about that. There really is. Now, we, we only had two captains, so it was... I say, why weren't you? Is, I, there, is there an answer? I just don't think that I was... I don't, I don't know if there's an easy answer. I was a, a jerk. I was arrogant. Maybe that's the best way to put it. And my teammates just, though they wanted me on the football field on, on Saturdays and, and respected me, they did make me the captain for the Rose Bowl, which I thought was... That's pretty Ama- major. Am- amazing oh, yeah. opportunity. But I had did been. touch on the fact that they did come to your birthday party. They did come to my birthday <laughs> yes, party. Okay. But that was after I became a millionaire, so oh. maybe that's not. <laughs> <laughs> they all wanted that Vegas trip after the draft. Ooh. This. Oops. They got to be a part of it, though. They got to be a part of that Vegas trip. Yeah. It was, uh, <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Um, but when we come back, we're going to listen to Rich.